0: Good evening. and welcome oh. to it. <laughs> <And> thank goodness. <laughs> so for obviously you guys are not here. But this just took us about 30 minutes of trying to figure this out tonight. We will see what comes out of this. Um, But welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I think it's fitting tonight with the way the football team played over the weekend. Yes. That we are struggling just as much as they were on Saturday. Um, But I'm Todd. (laughs) I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob?
1: Hello, everyone. (laughs) Hello,
0: everyone. We,
1: take, take 10 for the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast.
0: That's right. Tonight. We'll see what, how we get this posted tonight, how it all happens. It's, it's pretty fitting, really. Um, with that said, it is not in any way the fault of our wonderful sponsor, Pale Fire Brewing Company in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, this weekend is uh, Senior Day for JMU Football. It's the last home game of the regular season. We Hopefully not the last home game of the season. Uh, but if you're in Harrisonburg, go by the tap room downtown and mention the podcast and you will get a free pint glass. So go visit those guys this weekend. Have some great beers. Enjoy yourself at least one more time this season. As Rob was going to try to explain, and, and you can do this in a quicker version, um, we, we were not able to record at Tailfire last weekend,
1: right? Yeah, we realize that. We apologize. Um, people that heard us kind of thanking everybody and talking about what a fun night it was uh, didn't even dawn on us that we didn't tell people what happened. Um, we weren't sure what was going to happen, what, how it was going to play out, but we were invited to do this little recording thing at Pellfire. We thought maybe it would be like an on location type thing where we would Mm -hmm. just set up and record a little pod and chat with people. It turned out it was more of like a live show, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and it was a ton of fun. We really had a great time, but we had no idea how to set up our little kind of, quite (laughs) frankly, ghetto recording setup (laughs) that has been driving us crazy to the microphones in the room so we just kind of went with it had a really good time with everybody who was there but unfortunately we we're unable to record it probably a blessing for us it yes is, i'm sure in our memories it was great um our friends that were there told us it was fun but they're probably being nice um, <laughs> but it was it was a really good time was and hopefully ton- we'll do it again sometime and be a little more well prepared and have a little bit more fun with it and um I don't know. We'll we'll go. We we explained it much better on on the first episode that we recorded tonight, only to find
0: out we didn't record. And this has nothing to do with the fact that both of us uh, cracked open a beer before the podcast started tonight, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, based on the New Hampshire loss this weekend. Um, So I I don't even know if we'll get to... For those of you playing the bingo game tonight, uh, no idea if there will be another can crack tonight. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I
1: was in recording one that, once again, did not record. (laughs) I mentioned that... I had opened a beer for this one. Normally I wait until after we're done and, you know, we put it, put it away. Todd does his editing. I go off, have a beer and job well done. Given that we were getting to talk about what was a rather disappointing game. I was like, might as well open one up before. Right. And then the wheels came off and we realized we hadn't recorded the previous 30 minutes.
0: Yes. So, well, there the, we are. The, yeah. I, I have to say this. Um, my favorite college football podcast for the FBS level is the shutdown full cast. Mm-hmm. And th- they had to do a conference call last night yes. because it was so bad. They, so who knows? Maybe we're better off than they are. Um, yes. we're, the, we're the best college football uh, podcast on the internet. So yes, yes we'll yes. see what happens. Um, okay. As always, rate and review us. Maybe not rate and review us tonight, but normally rate and review us five points, five stars for doing sports blog podcast. Uh, we are going to talk about the end of the sort of happy-go-lucky Mike Houston era tonight. And Everything has been easy and fun and wonderful and there have been trips to Frisco and giant Facebook pages created and merchandise sold and fans have had a great time and everyone's been happy and, you know, obviously we're going to, t- we're going to kind of talk about the end of that tonight a little bit and this, hopefully the start of a new era of JMU Yeah, the, turn, the turning it's, the page. Yeah, the turning the page era. But we do want to remind everyone, we started this whole endeavor with a really random blog back in 2009. And when we started out, our goal was to provide a, 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 you know, a space for more positivity about JMU and JMU athletics than we found in some other media outlets. And one of the things we told each other when we started this was coaches and administrators were fair game. Um, They are professionals. They are paid to do their jobs. And if we wanted to be angry about them, we would be. But the one thing we would try our very best not to do was to kill 19- uh, and 20- 20 and 21-year-old players and student-athletes at JMU, you know, as best we could. And we're going to try to stick to that tonight, and Rob made a good point. The first time we tried, and I will try to reiterate it here, please call us out, um, hold us to account if we do that tonight. We are obviously frustrated with the performance over the weekend, as many fans are, but that it has never been our goal and remains not our goal to, you know, sort of attack the play of kids who are laying it on the line and, and giving a lot and, and experiencing a very different college experience than we did at JMU because of the time they devote to this sport. And we want to stick with that tonight. We are really glad, uh, inspired by our friend, say that now, Nikki Newman. We're going to have a, little, a great little palate cleanser at the end for overtime tonight uh, that, that is non-football related. As the Hoops teams both get ready to kick off the season, the men open tomorrow night at home against down-the-street rival Eastern Mennonite. <laughs> I don't know, really know what to say about that. And the women open on Thursday at George Washington in the district. So good chances to watch the Dukes in both, um, both of JMU's home locales, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah. But we're going to start with four downs from the game this week. Rob, you want to just sort of get us started with an overall reset of the program for first down?
1: Yeah, and, man, I I thought we had a good one going. Yeah, we did the first time. um, I I guess, like, the sky is not falling. We we need to talk about that. This is not like, oh, my gosh, the program is going down the tubes. It's never going to be the same. Fire the coaches. But we need to take a hard look at things and accept the fact that, to this point, JMU has probably been overrated. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't think – JMU was the second best team in the country last week, despite what the ranking said mm-hmm. um, I, I, I wanted to believe that like many of you, I probably tried to convince myself that was the case um, and I'm sure I'm going to get accused of kind of revisionist history and I'm only thinking this way now and you're just overreacting the loss but I think the loss gives us a certain level of clarity to say, like, this is a, this is a good team mm-hmm. maybe a very good team maybe a just, you know better than average team um, but it's not a championship contender uh, many prognosticators, many fans, certainly you and I, got very caught up in the notion that JMU had already jumped up to that North Dakota State level uh, of respect, and that mm-hmm. it was a program that that didn't re- rebuild, it reloaded. Mm-hmm. And we saw that. You know, they come in. They had to replace what? An opening day roster against a the State. They had 10 new starters on defense, and they're ranked mm-hmm. second in the nation. They're starting a new quarterback. They're They're... Starting, you know, multiple new receivers, some new offensive line. No
0: seniors on the O-line, yep.
1: Yeah, and everybody's like, oh, well, clearly, you know, right right back at it. And I mean, that's great. That's flattering, and that's a credit to what Coach Houston and the players the past few years have done. Um, and people don't want to admit, but it's credit even to Everett Withers and, you know, the type of players he brought to Harrisonburg and the talent level but it probably wasn't deserved. And that's not a knock. That's not saying that's not taking anything away. Or is it not intending Mm -hmm. to take anything away from these last two teams? Not intending to, to take anything away from any of the guys on the roster. Mm -hmm. But this was more of a show me year. This was more of a rebuild. This is more of a rebuild than any of us wanted to admit, or maybe any of us realized. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think the sky's falling. I don't think this team is doomed to not make the playoffs. They could. Uh, I think, personally, it's, it's pretty likely they will. Uh, a top-four seed is probably out the window. They, believe it or not, they can still win the CA auto bid <laughs> with some help.
0: Right. A, lot know, help. It, it's, yeah.
1: a lot of help. It's a lot of help, but it, it's still there. So, like, there's two more games. Yep. We've got a young team that expectations were probably misset coming in, and now they're ranked about 10, mm-hmm. and objectively speaking, and, again, I'm sure people will say we're overreacting to loss, but I think 10 is about right. Yeah, I, I think now ten with two games to play against two good teams, mm-hmm. two teams that Jamie could very well lose to, but they should beat. Mm-hmm. And if they do beat, they're the types of th- they're good wins. They are the types the types of wins that they they really are lacking. If you look at the resume, mm-hmm. you know you beat Stony Brook. Everybody's complaining about that thirteen ten win. It wasn't big enough. Well, it's the best thing on Jamie's resume right now. Yep. So don't so don't knock it too much. But they win these new ch- these next two games. It's conceivable you are looking at a seed, not a top four seed. Nope. But at least you get a home game, and then who knows in the playoffs? Yeah, it, it's not one of these situations where it's like Frisco or bust. That was that, that was that was wrong. We shouldn't have done that. Nope. But I think if we take a look at it and go, "Wow, look at what they're approving. This was a rebuild year. They're still in position to, to make the playoffs, and maybe even get a seed. And then once you get there, who knows? Two thousand four, Jamie won on the road every round of the playoffs and won. You know, they were they were not. The, the top favorite you can do it other ways mm-hmm. put put a gun to my head or give me the truth mm-hmm. serum i don't think jamie's gonna make a deep run but it wouldn't shock me if, if they started to put things together and then confidence picked up and you know crazier things have happened i, I would certainly not pick them to go so, i mean forget about it the tickets to frisco may have been a little bit premature <laughs> looking back at it but um this guy's not phone. this is just this is kind of a reset year Ultimately, I think this is probably better, and I know people are going to think I'm being an idiot here. I think it's better to struggle now and take a hard look in the mirror and go, you know what? We're not at that level yet. We need to make some changes as a program. Mm-hmm. We need to maybe completely revamp the offensive philosophy, mm-hmm. what we're doing. Do that now, rather than to maybe make it to the semis or finals do you like, and think everything's great, just keep going the way things are. Things need to change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe not like huge, drastic changes, but like you said, it is up to this point. We've been completely blessed by the Mike Houstoner, Mm -hmm. everything has worked out perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, last year there were some close games, and and we were we all convinced ourselves that JMU was a dominant force. that, Oh my gosh, nobody in the CA can compete with us. But look back at it now, yeah, there were a lot of one score games. There were a whole lot lot of games. There there were a whole lot. My dad called me today, Mm -hmm. he was like, Well, you know, last year you look back, he's like, They won a lot, but it wasn't necessarily the offense dominating. It was these close games. Then they'd get a pick six or they'd get a big return or reception. Mm -hmm. And that would be two or three scores. So, like, the offense has trended down. I don't think it has dropped off a cliff like people think it has. I think it's been a continuation of some kind of decline we saw last year. Yes. I mean, it's all new players. So, I don't know. I, I, in a weird way, I'm kind of more optimistic about the future of the program, not necessarily the season, but the future of the program mm-hmm. after losing now and that reckoning that needs to take place. And I don't know, News newsflash, Mike Houston ain't Nick Saban, but he's still a hell of a coach. And yeah. I, I'm really happy he's our coach. And I think it's really, really good that this is happening now. We're having these struggles and we're about to see uh, what type of coach he really is. We, we've mm-hmm. seen him do great things with all the talent and experience in the world. I think he can do just as much um, building it, not from the ground up, but, but in a rebuild. And now that we're looking at it from that lens, I think the next two or three years get really exciting.
0: I do too. And I I, I think you're right. People, I mean, first of all, you, you referenced the 4 run where JMU won every game on the road. It's been a long time since at least the last few years, since we thought of JMU as an underdog, I think for the real, dukes fans out there um if if we flip this to an optimistic lens and and maybe and rob and i are assuming our old positions although rob's being fairly optimistic as well um it's kind of fun to think about jmu as an underdog right now a a team that hopefully will find their hunger again you know I, i know for me this weekend i tried everything in the book i switched to the old visor at halftime uh, switch shirts, right. Uh, Bennett wrote us that he had had a sip of pumpkin beer and he thought he was the cause of the loss. Uh, I think we got quite a few quite a few shout outs from people on Twitter saying, you know, whatever awful <laughs> whatever awful superstitious thing they had done that was wrong that day, uh, these things happen. And, and Rob, you're right, that last year against Weaver State was a bit of a miracle game, uh, last year against Richmond, who turned out not to be a playoff team. Yeah, that, that was J- a
1: one-score game. One-score game
0: that JMU yeah. won in the end. Uh, there have been a lot of those games over the last couple of years. There have been games against New Hampshire in particular, Stony Brook in particular, the last couple of years, where the scoreboard has looked a lot better for JMU than what the truth on the field was. Uh, this weekend was one of those games where the scoreboard probably looked a little better for JMU than what the truth on the field was. But, uh, yeah, yeah you right. This was almost akin to,
1: like, the mar- the ultimate margin – made it seem closer in the way that the last time JMU and New Hampshire played up in New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. you know, JMU got out to that huge lead and then kind of one hanging on for dear life as they sat back too much. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I refer to it kind of as garbage time today. And I think people took objection to that, but it's, it's not garbage time, but there's a difference when you're sitting on a lead defensively. And Todd, you know, this as somebody who played football. Like It's not the same thing. You You can get wowed by numbers and go, Oh, look, we came back and, you know, we were, we were one score away, and we outplayed them in the fourth quarter. It's totally different when you're sitting on a lead. And New Hampshire was never worried they were going to lose
0: that game. Nope. And, and this um, kind of takes me to second down as we try to move along a little bit. It is, you wrote this in the postgame wrap-up for us. This was way bigger. We're going to get to QB1 situation for sure tonight. But this was way bigger than the quarterback. And this was actually way bigger than the offense. This yeah. was, for me, my second down was this was the first total dog shit game of the Mike Houston era, all up and down the roster. It's really hard for me to look back at this game. You know, North Dakota State in the championship last year, JMU was well coached. They played they put themselves in position to win that game and mistakes were made there were dropped passes there were penalties there were refereeing decisions all kinds of There was of things, a fumble but,
1: that wasn't a fumble right
0: there were things but 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 jamie was right there even the elon game this year jamie made plenty of mistakes but a couple of plays here and there like as you've said before i think both of those games we can look back at four or five plays and say if these had gone a little differently that's a different outcome. This weekend, you can do th- And that's most competitive games you can look at. That sure. Up. And this weekend was the first game in the Houston era where I think we look back. I mean, even the NC State game this year, I think we look back and say that. This was, yeah. uh, other than North Carolina uh, in the first year, which doesn't really count, this was the first game in the Houston era that you look up and down the roster and say, this team sucked. And, uh, you know, there were a few players. There were some bright spots. Obviously, uh, David Eldridge, your boy, was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Carden played hard and well, but Cardinal Percy and limited per, minutes. Yeah, Percy in limited very good. Action was a big spark and looking forward to seeing Eldridge and Percy more coming up. Rondo Carter tried to lay it on the line a lot, um, even early <laughs> in the game for the team. But outside of that, I mean, we said, we're not going to kill individual players, but there was a dropped touchdown pass this weekend. There was a, by a young receiver, there were a drop in multiple mistakes by a very veteran receiver, uh, our star punter, who we love, who made a great play on the fake punt to get a first down, also didn't kick very well this weekend. Um, and, and for me, you know, this is one of the games you look back and, and you said at halftime of this game, Ron, this, you know, most of the points were on the offense. JMU, yeah. JMU and their QB1 spotted New Hampshire 14 points. But even the defense, who played well in the first half and played well at points throughout, they gave up an awful drive, probably their worst drive of the season, to start the second half this yep. week. You know, and, and let this game turn from a twenty-one-three where maybe there's a spark in JMU comes back to a twenty-eight-to-three where New Hampshire just manages. The it's game over. Or, yeah, it's, it's over, over. Right. And and so this was a all three phases meltdown, and it was hard for me to even watch this game and say this was on the coaches or there was something JMU could have done. Players didn't make plays. I mean, and there's, there's no two ways about it. So for me, this was the first sort of team doo-doo performance of the Houston era. And as mad as I am about it, I'm also kind of looking forward to how they show up this week. I'm, I'm certainly, I don't know if i say looking forward, but I am intrigued, really, really interested in what, how JMU plays this weekend against Rhode Island. And, you know, that's a different place to be in the last couple of years. And... Yeah,
1: and and I guess this is what what gets me. Like, like I said, Houston ain't saving nobody's saving. He's the best. Like, mm-hmm. Houston is a very good coach. He seems like if you if you read between the lines of some of his post game mm-hmm. press conference, it seems like something has been bothering him about this team at the end. Like, he's probably he's very positive, but he makes comments about like, well, I've been telling them they got to come to play. It's almost like he was waiting for them. Like, this is his "I told you so" moment. Yeah. Like, we're, we're not that good. He's not a guy, it's probably a guy all of, coaches. Yeah, it, it's probably all coaches, but yeah. I don't think he's like a Lou Holtz type or a yeah. Nick Saban in the sense of like, oh, we, we can't do this, oh, you know, play up the yeah. opponents. But I did get the impression like he, he seemed to indicate that at times he thought this team lacked focus or, or was maybe reading its own press clippings. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as a coach, you got to hate performances like that, but it's also got to be what you kind of live for. like Now it's like, hey, it's just us in the bunker. Let's go. Nobody believes in us. We're time to do it. Let's show show them what you're all about. This is how the competitor knew you you got embarrassed. Like, this seems like it's kind of queued up for the the Mike Houston story, the turning the page, as -hmm. you referenced before. It seems like it's all right there on a platter.
0: Yeah, this is what I'm interested in is, you know, we all have our our, (laughs) – we have good things, bad things, and everything in between to say about the Mickey Matthews era at JMU. But the one thing Mickey did was he didn't have losing seasons, right? And they found a way when the chips were down. And even in 04, the team that won the championship was not a team that was expected to win the championship. No. Right. And, you know, we're not going to talk about playoffs tonight. We're not going to talk about the national landscape. We're not even going to talk about the CAA title. The only thing I am interested in is how JMU responds this week. And are the players still listening to Houston? And I'm sure we'll get to that in the concerns. But, Rob, you have a third-down thing, or we want to just kind of well, I, I roll can it? And this, yep. will, this will be more we,
1: – we're now playing the type where I will be somewhat negative. Um, <laughs> I've gone back and forth all year about, oh, the defense isn't that good. I'll oh, be, be part. I'm an idiot. Yeah. If you really look at it, this defense looks like it can absolutely exert its will and just crush overmatched opponents. And, and the defense is very good against the run. I will say that, like, even strong running attacks.
0: Yeah, this But weekend, how many that wasn't there.
1: They, they don't. Yeah. But how many good QBs has Jamie played this year? You say Finley, mm-hmm. clearly Frenzy State. Davis-Cheek, pretty Davis-Cheek, good. Davis-Cheek, pretty good. And Knight, Trevor Knight. very good. Yep. They lost all three games. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm not saying, like, oh, we got a weakness, you know. They can't stop good QBs. But it, they're so good against bad teams this team has offensively too, uh, they kind of pad the stat book the stat book against the Richmonds and william marys yeah throw the out
0: the lines throw out the
1: stats yeah throw all that rest. all that staggering crap i mean it's, yeah. it's worthless uh, yeah. the elon thing was not the biggest upset in the history of college football jmu can absolutely destroy Teams that don't have good enough quarterbacks. Um, Stony Brook being one of them. Jamie did a great job. Defense was outstanding against Stony Brook's rushing attack, which is a legit playoff caliber rushing attack. Sure. Carbone, uh, you know, Todd, by <laughs> not saying we're not going to like go over the top of like that. That applies to JMU athletes. JMU we players, would just say, like, you know, Carbone is not good. A, no, a good was quarterback. That
0: from Sam Houston a couple years ago. He's terrible too. Oh, Briscoe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a decent quarterback would, JMU would have lost that game. The, the yep. receivers were getting open. Carbone was overthrowing people by 15, 20 yards. So you do start to wonder, like, okay, the, the strategy for Houston seemed to be, let's build this team around a quarterback who we want to not make mistakes. We're going to play ball control. And if we win a bunch of 17-10, you know, knuckle dragging old-school games, that's great. Let's just play not to lose, and our defense is good enough. I don't think it is good enough. And I know that sounds like blasphemy. For, for a lot of jmu fans but like mm-hmm. I don't think this is a good enough defense where you can say we just need a ball control type of offense and everything's fine and I think Houston recognized that this weekend maybe a little too late but it it, it seems like it's just it hasn't been constructed to win in the playoffs this is not a deep this is a very good defense it's a yep. great defense when playing against bad teams I don't know if it's a great defense or even a very good defense playing against playoff caliber quarterback play. Right. Um, you know, like last year Easton Stanker, a guy like that, forget about it. You can't count you can't go into the playoffs. You can't go into the season and be like, oh well, we're just gonna hold every team to ten points. That's not realistic. Nope. Um, you know it it worked for the most part last year, but then the offense couldn't do it in the championship game. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to say this is a bad defense. Again, no from the perspective of what they're replacing, it's amazing. In a rebuilding year that we don't want to call a rebuilding year, oh my gosh! We're so far ahead of schedule. Yeah, yeah, all that. So far ahead of schedule, but come on, they even against Richmond and William Mary, they got gashed for some big plays. So it's just it it's not realistic to think that this team can just ride a defense and a subpar offense with some some lot some some issues with the offensive line to a deep playoff run. So again, we got to recalibrate.
0: Yeah, I would think I, – I think if the defense is good enough – I think I, what I've said all season, the defense is championship level if they are padded behind them with a solid offense and a solid special teams game, right? Like They're good so championship the level, will if you can count this, on
1: three scores from offense.
0: That's what I mean. And, and yes. this week it, you cannot spot the other team 14 points no. No. And, and expect the defense to come back and win the game single-handedly. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's right. I, I think the defense was – remains the strength of this team. And Absolutely. I am – and I, t- you know, to this point in the season, have been considerably more excited when the defense is on the field to watch the game than yeah. the other phases. Um, you know, but doesn't it looked, seem like,
1: like like the coaches were, thought it was good yeah, enough? Yeah, they thought it, they you, thought it was good sc- enough. They didn't have two, two scores, yeah, they you can win
0: every game. Right. They thought they were the 2,000 Ravens here. And, yeah. the, and they're not the and 2,000 it's not, Ravens. It's not. No. No. I mean, it's, and, there,
1: there are very few teams where you can win being completely one-sided. I mean, you can't yeah. do the Sam Houston thing where you can no. outscore everybody, and you no. can't be Jamie where you're like, we're just going to count on giving up nine points a game. Many no. games they will against bad no. opponents, but against good opponents when you give up two or three touchdowns, no. that shouldn't be the end of the world. The way this team has the offensive philosophy, mm-hmm. it seems like they didn't realize
0: that no. until they went down two scores and was like, holy crap, what are we going to do? But for fourth down, I'm going to be optimistic and I'm going to say I was wrong. And I I am, I know people, you know, I can't believe there was still any, this is not, you know, we are going to talk about the quarterback here. And I thought that JMU, look, they turned the ball over six times this week. They lost by 11. You're not going to win. You're going to lose by 11 every time that you turn the ball over six times. And this is not about Ben or Cole individually. But I will say this, Um, Cole Johnson threw a pick, you know, he, he threw, he made mistakes as well. His completion percentage was not as high as Danucci's has been. His quarterback rating was not as high as Danucci's has been season long.
1: It was actually lower than it was in
0: all but one game. Right. But he was a guy who came into a game at 14, three down on the road in new against a good team, whatever the record. And in a bad weather situation in a tough day, and the first play he was in the game, he, threw, he hit that pass over the middle. And for this last three, four five years, since Withers came in, really, the ability to play action to the running back and hit the slant has been the biggest play in JMU's arsenal. And to, to be able to throw over the middle has been a huge thing. And he was not supported by his receivers at times in this game, as we've talked about. And I saw a little bit of a spark, and I, I don't know. This is such a question, and I, I don't mean to get into this and, and kind of bleed into the concerns. But I think JMU may have found a little something. I, I know that Houston, you know, he said after the game, both quarterbacks made mistakes, that kind of thing. But I saw a little something different from JMU this weekend. And I, I, certainly the putting Eldridge in, putting Percy in, just let the guys have a shot, right? the talent comes to the you know, will rise to the top a little bit. And I'm hopeful. I, I I it would shock me, you know, this was I think Cole's fourth game. So technically if he never played again, he would gain another year of eligibility. But January is six and three. They have two games left and Houston said very, very definitively to our friend of the pod, Greg Medea today, that he's gonna play the guy who gives them the best chance to win the game. And for me, I watched that game this week, and I saw a little something different from the JMU offense. And I'm not going to get all excited about 398 yards or whatever it was. I just – there were just a few – there was a little something different in the passing game. And I think that's necessary for JMU going forward. And I am going to choose to be optimistic about this. I, th- I think it's a I, – I think it was a massive difference um, when, they, when they made the switch this week. And it was too little too late in this game. And for all we know, it could be too little too late in the season. And this is not a knock on Danucci at all, who we have been very clearly supportive of throughout the season. But I, I felt like I was wrong watching this in – you know, watching this the second time. You weren't wrong. Yeah. You weren't wrong.
1: Right. This is – this. you were not wrong. Okay. This
0: is –
1: I mean, everybody – this is the classic, like, the most popular guy in every town is <laughs> the backup quarterback. Um, Todd, you know, I wanted – Cole to win the game to win the job coming out of camp. I liked him. I liked what I saw. We saw exactly what we all knew. He's a guy with incredible arm talent, mm-hmm. particularly at the FCS level, who can make all the throws, mm-hmm. and most of them go to the right team. Right. You know, I mean, like it—it's it, it, exciting I me. Mean, we can't just brush aside four turnovers. No, we you can't. Can, you know, I guess it's it's like—I mean, you can say like, "Oh, well, he's new. He's young." Well, there's a reason. I mean, you just look at it this way. Houston is a good coach. Houston's a mm-hmm. very good coach. He won championships. Do we think that he's been in practice every day for nearly three full, full seasons with Cole Johnson, and he just hasn't noticed this incredible arm talent? Or do you think, hey, he, he's noticed it, but he's gone. maybe the guy has some flaws. I mean, he chose DiNucci for a reason. Maybe he kept him in there for too long out of pride or out of some other reason where he, the offensive line or something we don't even know. Mm-hmm. But – I think people are getting a little ahead of themselves. He's got tremendous – I mean, he's got a great arm. Right. And he can sling it, and that is exciting. But there's got to be a reason he wasn't starting, and the reason is probably, I mean, four turnovers. That's a crap load of turnovers. And to go to him at this stage, you can say, okay, well, he's young. Well, great. Jamie doesn't have the luxury of letting somebody kind of develop over the next two weeks. Or even this year. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, I like the guy. I I, I personally, it's weird. I, I sound like I'm <laughs> like a team. team ish. No. I would go. I would go with Cole. Right. I would go with Cole because we've seen that JMU has struggled. They haven't gotten the running game going. Um, the offensive line is collapsing for whatever reason. Either Newtch isn't is reluctant to run, or the coaches told him not to run, or there's a system breakdown. It ain't working. Uh, you know, we saw early in the year. We all were critical, saying Newtch was too quick to tuck it and go. In hindsight, maybe we, maybe that was the best thing we had going for us. Mm-hmm. It did that this week. He made a great run where he just tucked it. You know, he just yep. it probably was early. Maybe that's the best thing to do behind this offensive line. But, or maybe you just need to do, like what I said last week, we need to be more tolerant of mistakes and turnovers. Yes. And, and yes. you know, for a guy who can get enough. I, I meant that in the way of like, okay, we'll take one or two. Three or four turnovers, <laughs> though, man, that's a lot. And I like the guy. I, I, I'd go with it now because I don't disagree. You I almost, just you're almost feel that... like playing more for next year at this point. Yes. You got to know well, what that's... you're going to do. We, we, we don't need another controversy next season. You need to know, okay, look, do we need to revamp the offense around this guy with unquestionably the better arm and the quicker release, but who probably is not going to be as durable if we're basing mm-hmm. this on body type and doesn't have the escape ability. He still can move. People act like he's Peyton Manning back there. You know, he's not, he, he can escape and move. But to me, that would, make a, a, that would require a change in the offseason. That's a totally different type of offense. I'm all in favor of it, but that's my main reason for going for him. I don't think he's heads and shoulders better than Cole. I think he's different. I think he's different than Nuch. And at this stage, what do you have to lose?
0: That's, that's exactly the point, is that for me, we have seen what this team is with Tanucci, which is a competent team who relies on its defense and hopes it can score somehow. 17 points on offense and maybe get another score somewhere else. Yeah. And that's not enough to win the championship. And yeah. right now, I'd prefer to see them lose, you know, 42 41 with a couple of turnovers than to, prefer, you know, than to continue watching them lose the way they did this weekend or the way they did to Elon with Danucci at the helm. I also think it's important. I think you said they're six and three at this point. They're going forward. And I think they've got to, they might as well find out what they have you know, is Cole capable of, of sparking this team and turning it around or is next year gauge Maloney versus a transfer. And yeah. I know that's like a fire take at this point, but let's, you know, Cole was ready to redshirt after three games when he wasn't the guy. Danucci was a transfer to begin with. Like I, we might as well play this out the way it is. I, I also think for all the turnovers on Cole this weekend, this is a guy making his first start as, or, you know, first significant playing time of the season. One of those interceptions was at the end of the first half, you know, I, I, like the long throw into the end zone from midfield or so. Like, I, so be it, right? I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to kill him for that. And the other was the deflected ball in I'm the I'm not going to kill him for any of these, yeah, but yeah. the
1: reality is, like, it's very easy to get caught up in the hype of, like, oh, my gosh, the spark. He made all the throws, and we can all rationalize away the turnovers. But the reality is he made – the exact throw that got Danucci benched, um, mm-hmm. you can say a yeah, lot. The of, pick like, six you, was it? Yeah, yeah, you you can say, and and everybody's kind of the the big Cole fans are like, oh, the offensive line hung him out to dry. You know, well that's the exact no. sort of play where if Danucci did it, people would go throw the damn ball. Yeah. Um, and again, inexperience, yada yada yada. It's all fair, but I I think it's funny to me that people that were that I know that were very big. Danucci fans are like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we got a controversy. There's pros and cons. I feel like a lot of people that are Cole fans are like, vindicated, yes. 200 yards. I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah, no right. I mean, in some sense, you're saying like that you know better than Houston. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Yeah. It's Okay, maybe it's just this is a guy who doesn't practice well. Mm-hmm. And he's really going to catch fire. And we just found Tom Brady. And Danucci is is blood. So Hell yeah. We're all going to look back. But do you really think that? I mean, Mike Houston yeah. knows more, more about football than any of us and anybody listening to this damn podcast, right? And the idea—he's been there for Cole's entire career. He spent hundreds of hours watching him throw the ball. He didn't start the guy for a reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not to say he's not good. Again, I've said it a million times. I wanted him to win the job. I think I love his arm. Mm-hmm. It's exciting to me to think about JMU offense with a guy who can. Who can make throws that I haven't seen anybody yeah, else in the jam the... uniform make since maybe Mike Callaway? Right. You know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's not—he's not Tom Brady. It's again, like we need to curb our expectations. I don't want to see the guy start this weekend, and you know, have two touchdowns and two picks, and people are like, oh, he's a disaster. It's—we need to figure out what's going on. It, it, <laughs> if, if there's a learning curve, then let's admit we're doing this for the future, and we need to be able to tolerate mistakes and tolerate maybe not even going to the playoffs because mm-hmm. of mistakes. I, I, It sounds like blasphemy. I'm fine with that. I, I think it's worth giving the guy a shot. I'd too. rather know. I'd rather have him, even if he bombs out terribly, bomb out now before we go into next year and go through this freaking Drew Dudzik versus Justin Thorpe crap we
0: used to go through. Right. So with that, Rob, I think, I think that's a – all very well said. And, and, and as everybody can tell, we're a little bit raw about this, a little bit fired <laughs> up about JMU football. Um, but what are the two things we are most looking forward to this weekend? And and, and we'll put, you know, for the most part, put the quarterback situation aside. Um, what are the two things we're either concerned about or most looking forward to against Rhode Island this week? All right. Can I go first? Yeah.
1: Percy. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm really excited. I think he's great. I was shocked. I, I look back at the stats. Jamie has not had a back rush for a hundred yards this mm-hmm. year going into the season. We all thought that was going to be Nuch or Cole's biggest, you know, a uh, crutch was the fact they were going to have all these awesome backs. And any given week, somebody was going to go off for 150 yards. It hasn't happened. Um, I think losses like we saw on Saturday are good for that reckoning and that kind of real examination of conscience, And mm-hmm. the fact that now Houston said, we, we got to try something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and Percy, I mean, he's the guy. Uh, Maybe was... I'm doing. Maybe I'm doing exactly what I just told people no, now. He do like the Cole. Best. Yep. But I- he's impressed me. Every going back to what was it, Norfolk State game last year where he yep. went for 100 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. every time he sees the field, he impresses me. Mm-hmm. I just think he runs with such aggression. He's got speed. He's got kind of escapability. He can ma- he can make guys miss. He hits the holes. I, th- I- I'm very excited too. He he can also catch the ball. He had a couple of receptions. Uh, on Saturday, so it's one of the few bright spots. Very limited, but I'm just excited that it's kind. of, It sounds like it's back to the drawing board, and yeah, we don't know who's going to start at QB, but it's. Is it crazy to think that there's competition at nearly every position on offense?
0: No, that's one of the most exciting things. I thought David Eldridge was fantastic. Yeah, in the second half of this game this week, um, and I think that was kind of an interesting thing to see a, sec- you know, to see Cole in there, and he's not looking at. He's making the read, right, and throwing mm-hmm. to whoever is, is the right read. He's not thinking about who he's feeding or who the top guy is. He's just throwing to the guy. Yeah. And, and, and that allowed David Eldridge to really be a part of the game plan in the second half. Mm-hmm. And I think it's exciting to think about with the depth of talent that JMU has in a lot of places, but particularly at the skill positions, to think about a wounded, hungry team where everything is wide open again. Right where we've, we're taking a step back and we're going back to thirty thousand feet and saying, all right, what's the best thing to do here? And, and to think about guys like Percy and Eldridge and Cole, that, that's exciting for sure. And,
1: and then to, to, to think about new. kind of more established guys like like Riley. And I don't want to try to get yeah. anybody's head, but you read his post game comments sometimes after games that most people think decent, he's like, no, I played a terrible game. You know, he, right. he seems to be a guy who really is not hard on himself, but. Really objective and always looking to get better well he had some plays he probably wants to take back and he had a couple he kno- plays he'd like. yeah to and he knows the expectations and he knows what it takes to get it done in big games and at the most critical moments I, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to back down from a challenge he seems Not like a all. guy who's probably gonna have a heck of a week of practice and that will help the defensive backs and everything kind of kind of cycles from there so like i said, i don't know it it stinks. This might not be a championship team, but now we get to see what they're really made of. And I prefer to think of this as turning the page rather than, Oh my gosh, they're going to bottom out.
0: I agree. And because, because my other part of this is just the mindset of this team. Mm -hmm. Um, As we've talked about, this is the first time in the Houston era that they have, they've really, they stunk up the joint. And it's interesting to see, you know, for me, I'm very interested this weekend. I, for the first time I am questioning, is this team responding to the coaching staff? Are they, you know, where are they going to come out? Uh, I think we're going to, it looks like uh, Jahi Jackson may be back on the O-line this week. That is not a silver bullet, but it will be interesting to see if that is helpful in any way. I think they've been playing at least one player who probably wasn't expected to play a whole lot this season on the O-line. Houston was very disappointed in the, you know, we don't know the first thing about what's going on this season but he expressed a lot of disappointment in Jahi being out the last five weeks. Um, Certainly a player who's capable of of providing some, (laughs) some road grading up front. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's another thing just coming back. I mean, it's, it's Houston. Think about the O-line, think about Cole. Houston just kept barking over and over today and after the game, but today with Medea a little bit about, we got to get back to how this team was built. And I, You know, my impression of that has always been or at least the the purest encapsulation of that has been when this team had a bunch of suspensions going up to North Dakota State two years ago. And Houston somehow found a way to get this team to just go nose to nose and punch people in the face. (laughs) And I, I really, really am hopeful that we see that this weekend against a Rhode Island team that is is very talented at the skill positions. Uh, extremely good quarterback, extremely good receiving core. That is something that JMU, you know, receiving-wise, I mean, I, th- I think we feel good. Rhode Island has a fantastic receiver, but we know what's going to happen with that. We're going to put Jimmy on him one-on-one and see what challenged them in a way that they probably haven't seen all year. And as you said, JMU has not fared well against the good quarterbacks they've played this year, but is certainly capable defensively. But one thing Rhode Island has shown a vulnerability to this year is other teams that can score. And the question this week is, can JMU score? And, you know, Rhode Island is one of these classic Sam Houston type, just they're going to try to outscore you because they're not capable defensively, athletically, of shutting people down. And and for me, that, that screams out for a return from Jahi and Cole throwing the ball and getting a lot of guys involved and maybe letting Percy and other guys – you know, really have their chance to shine. So
1: it's it's all set up on Senior Day.
0: Yeah, you know, Senior it's, Day. It's, it's all set up for work.
1: yeah, yeah, bounce back. But yeah. I don't know. Really? It's it's weird because nobody wanted this, but at the same time, it's kind of nice to actually pay attention to this game. Where yeah, for all the six, people that yeah, six forever. weeks ago it would have. I mean, talking to like friends. We've got friends who are casual fans, yeah. and they like, oh, you know, I try to watch games, but they're so boring. Jamie's always blown people out. Or that article in The Breeze where they were quoting yeah, – yeah. Just being like, it's, just not, it's not worth sticking around in the fourth yeah. quarter. The game's in hand. Well, it, it's, this is essentially playoff football.
0: Yep. It is. And it's yeah. usually playoff football. I mean, this is it for Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, they're in even a tougher spot than JMU. I, I, arguably, I think JMU plays a very tough Towson team on the road the last game of the season. You don't want to leave it to that, but – Jamie's in a position where, if they win two, as you said, they may sneak into a seed. They certainly would probably set up for a home game in a, a you know, a favorable matchup on Thanksgiving weekend if need be. Well, I would think they're. You don't want to get out of ourselves. No,
1: I would think they're almost certainly a seed if they win two. I think so too. People had them we'll lose because it's too. even in the CA race. You've got Maine and Elon still need to play. Yep. That that could decide the title right there, and Elon could get screwed because of the hurricane and yep. you feel bad talking about nope. like the, the downside of a hurricane being a conference auto bid, but, and look, Delaware almost you know, lost gr- to Albany
0: gr- this weekend, like, you know, th- who knows what's going to happen. I think if JMU wins yeah. their next two games, things will take care of themselves. It may put them on the Fargo road, but as we have seen in the past, that's fine with us. Um, you as- know what?
1: I, I'd rather play them at Fargo when we can play with nothing to lose and Hey, you know, Jamie yep. was the eight seed or unseeded, then to have skated along and maybe win a couple of these games and go to Frisco with still having these flaws and, and be exposed then. You know, exactly. I, I'd actually give them a better chance. If, if God willing, they get to play at Fargo in the quarters and they're just there like, hey, we, we're the only team that's done this in the past. Nobody expects anything of us. We're an eight seed. I like their chances better then, than yep. down the road.
0: And I'll say this, for someone who lives in North Carolina – and D.C. and Atlanta are equal distant from where I live. Mm-hmm. I have no problem going to play Flanconia in the playoffs. Yeah. So we'll see yeah. what happens with Kennesaw.
1: But, but I got to say, the whole, the entire notion of Delaware potentially winning the conference makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, oh, I, especially just, when they, I
0: mean, what they did, I mean, they had to pull that <laughs> out of their something with. Albany this weekend
1: yeah oh I just I, I was so excited when they lost Rhode Island it turns out Rhode
0: Island's pretty good but I was like yes the Rocco error you know I would, we would, starting. Ha- I would have a blast going to Delaware in the playoffs and beating them though
1: yeah <laughs> it, it's funny that we all were thinking like oh man that could be a matchup you know Jamie's gonna need to beat Delaware and Bridgeforth yeah could be going to the
0: tub yep <laughs> could be going to the piss wall so yep. we'll see what happens so with that, we're going to move on to overtime. I think we have ranted enough tonight, vented enough. We are really looking forward to JMU um, senior day this weekend, seeing how they do, bouncing back, hopefully, against Rhode Island this week. I, I, Rob, it is fair to say, at the beginning of the season, if you had told us they would be 6-3 and three at this point, we would not have been horrendously shocked. Um, the way that it happened, I think, in the end, surprised us. But I think if we had looked at the beginning of the season, we would have said, okay, they're 6-3 and three and they get Rhode Island and Towson to finish. Good deal. Right? Yeah, and objectively, now
1: but I, I think I fell for the hype. And I was really like, after they won those first couple of games, I was like, nobody in the CAA is right. going to handle this team. Like, right. I, I always talk in generalities about like those fans and their expectations. What I really mean is me. <laughs> you know, I, just, I just need the man up and admit yeah, it's just us, when I yeah. say oh so many of these fans just got so crazy and they bought in the hype I, I don't know if they did or they didn't that's just right, my right, right. wimpy way of being like I'm an idiot I completely fell for it I thought we were going to Frisco I bought my ticket in August
0: blah 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 so right. <laughs> yeah I,
1: I would six and three I would have been disappointed
0: yes but I will say when I look I, at this, have I thought Looking this back, last four week run right with Elon and Stony Brook and New Hampshire in the in this Space right here was the heart of the schedule, right? And I, I think I we talked think, about that earlier this season that this was. I really did think the New lead.
1: Hampshire one was a potential loss, right? On the road with right. night, so I, that wouldn't have shocked me.
0: No, but and and I did think, admittedly, that the end of the season with Rhode Island and Towson would be kind of a tuna, co- yeah, coast home to the finish, right? Yep. And now it is not that in any way, shape, or form, and it's time to see what the Dukes have in two yep. big games. So. Our overtime topic tonight, we're going to be brief. We thought about... (laughs) We're uh, never brief. We're never brief. Um, It is inspired by a good friend of the pod now, Nikki Newman, who reminded us that we needed to talk about hoops. So we need to get off football, quit worrying about all this stuff, and enjoy some hoop stuff.
1: Which Um, starts tomorrow. I think the
0: women somewhere started tonight, but yes, men's hoops starts tomorrow. Men's hoops around the country starts tomorrow, a couple of big... Duke big Pins. games, among, Yeah, big games among all the bag-dropping teams tomorrow night, but uh, <laughs> also JMU Eastern Mennonite. <laughs> for those who want to take the horse and buggy to the game, it yeah. should be a good time. Um, and tonight we're going to talk about our bucket list venues for college hoops. We have talked in the past about the places we would love to go in FCS, and I think we've even talked about the places we would love to go in FBS, or at least just general sports stuff. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about a couple of venues each. That we would love to go to in college sports, so I think we'll. Why do Why don't you go
1: first? I always go first, and I feel like I steal like
0: no. I steal the proverbial thing. All right, well, pick. I'll start way, way, way off the radar for a team that I have ridden for so hard the last few years, um, and it's San Diego State. So I wanted to get at least one West Coast team in here, and I couldn't. There were really no Pac-12 team that I really was that excited about. I guess you could argue that going to UCLA would be kind of cool in its own historic way. Um, One of us might be arguing that. Okay. Yes. But for me, it was uh, San Diego state and the sort of the student section at San Diego state is legendary. They they are, they are behind that team, no matter what happens. It's totally, it reminds me of the electric zoo JMU years where it was almost not dependent on the product on the court that the fans were going to bring it every time. Um, I, I would just, that's a team that I would love to see. I, I think New Mexico would be another one in that, in that batch yeah. from the mountain West for me at the pit in Albuquerque, but San Diego state for me will be the first one.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off the radar yep. here and I'm going to go Odell arena, which is the home of Taylor university. What is this? And, and <laughs> a little I off the radar. A little off. Well, no. And, and it's one particular night. This is Taylor university is like an NIA school or whatever that is. Yeah they're the ones that do the silent night tradition. Oh, I forgot which, which yeah. is like my favorite thing in college yeah. sports. Um, for those of you that don't know, they do one, I think it's like what the Friday night after exams mm-hmm. every year they do silent night and they pack this little gym. It's they're you know, they're a tiny little um, non-denominational Christian university. in I don't know, in America someplace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's say Indiana let's Let's go with that whatever so they got this basketball arena (laughs) and the entire student body after exams is completely silent they pack the arena it's dead silent no talking you can hear the ball bouncing the sneakers squeaking until they hit 10 points and then they just explode (laughs) and it just looks like so much fun it just looks like everything that college basketball is supposed to be where it's geared around the, the guys on the floor and the students, and they're just having fun. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I, I see it. They show it on Sports Center every year. And I just think for me, it's like kind of a bucket <laughs> list sports experience. It's awesome. Um, so let's say, let's assume that I'm saying this one particular night, because whatever, random Tuesday when they play whatever school from whatever other thing, they're probably not that exciting. But the silent night tradition looks just
0: awesome. You are right. It is Upland, Indiana. Okay. There you, <laughs> there you go. Yeah all right that's awesome um my second one this is kind of an odd one it's not particularly uh famous or anything but i'd love to go to a game at vanderbilt it's uh, because of the floors yeah, that I weird that weird yeah. weird gym so it, it's like one of those old school what you if you're in high school you think of this as a giant gym where they mm-hmm. have the kind of stands that go up from the behind the baskets and then on the sides separately where there's it doesn't wrap around per yeah. se and the benches are on the end of the court in a very weird style and lower all, than the court yeah lower than the court and uh it, it's such a weird thing in the second half the visiting team is at like an enormous disadvantage um that's a gym i'd love to to visit as well and obviously nashville's a fun place to go so yeah yeah they've got an awesome baseball facility i've heard that if, yeah if david price right
1: yeah 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 it's, it's really cool yeah um I was actually going to choose that. that. That was one, that's a program I've always kind of enjoyed yeah. watching. Um, and it's just, it's a neat, it's a neat setup. Mm-hmm. Cool. I guess I, this is, this is kind of obvious. You can do it. Yeah. I, I'd like to have a camera Indoor.
0: <laughs> I knew you would choose this and I, you know I was I never going to choose it. And I was so yeah, glad yeah. that you would mention it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I grew up rooting for Duke. <laughs> I, I've, Played ball in the neighborhood with a bunch of kids, and all we did, you know, we played ball every single day, and we went mm-hmm. to Red Jenkins' camp, which I think you did too. Yep. yep. At George Mason and Red Coach Tommy Amaker back in the '80s, and so we got to meet Tommy, and he went to Duke, and so we all became Duke fans before we realized what it meant to be a Duke fan. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> and that. I mean, it's still it. It's different now. With I mean, goodness gracious! If you're a basketball fan, you got to be excited to see Zion Williamson and these new recruits. But this is not your father's dupe team, right? That all being said, I mean, Cameron Indoor. That that's got to be really darn fun to go see a game. It's kind of the the reason why I think bigger isn't always better. Mm-hmm. You don't need to build these massive. The Carrier Dome would be great. And there's a lot to be said for that. But kind of the small, intimate settings where the crowd nerdy as it might be it's Mm -hmm. packed right there it just seems like it'd be an absolute blast and I've I've wanted to it for years I don't know why I haven't done
0: it at this point (laughs) this is my hardest thing Rob because I I was not going to choose Duke no matter what but my neighbor down here in North Carolina is a huge Duke supporter and has season tickets and goes all the time or I I don't know he goes and he's invited me a couple times um not for you gotta go
1: man I know and
0: and and it just hasn't worked out and and I also am, am am conflicted morally about this but uh but yeah, you're right. I think that's a great a great choice. And what
1: I ever tell you when I was down at UNC when I interviewed for to get into grad school there? Oh. and I, I interviewed huh. with some alum who was like undergrad and <laughs> MBA from mm-hmm. UNC, and he was uh, a the Mr. worst Mr. kind. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Like freaking Mr. Tar why? Heel.
0: Why is the sky blue? Yeah, because God's a tar Heel. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All that crap, and he was just like looked at my resume. He's like, "Oh, you from big city? Big cities are the worst. I hate big cities." <laughs> I was like, "Kind of an interesting choice to be interviewing prospective MBA students, like most of them And he was just being a complete prick, and I couldn't figure out. Like, at first, I was really shook. Like, man, I am messing up this interview. And then, like twenty minutes into it, I was like, "No, this guy's just kind of an ass." Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "Okay, I got one more question to ask you." And he's like, "If you could have..." lunch with any person on earth, who would it be? And I was like, Mike Krzyzewski. <laughs> and he looked at me like, like <laughs> and I was like, I'll see you later. And yeah. I just walked I was like, and he's just like yeah. I don't know. So I, I've that's always funny. been kind of, I, I admit that. No, that's a great why one. People, why people hate Duke, but I mean, that's like going to Lambeau Field. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's a great one. And, and, yeah. Oh, I mean, and mine is, my number one is similar to that. Uh, a couple honorable mentions. I you know, would love to go to the Palestra for a Big Five game. Would, mm-hmm. would love to have seen the Big East tournament in its old form at the Garden. I don't know about the new form. And I think the one game I would most like to go to in college basketball, although not the arena I would most likely like to go to overall, is I would love to see UConn at Tennessee at Thompson Bowling in Doxville. Women's. Women's. Yeah, Women's yeah. game would be uh, just as good as it gets. Um, in college basketball but my number one is kansas um i'd love to go to fall down uh, yeah yeah. and and this pains me to say because i've got a ku guy that i work for work with and for and a ku guy that i am friends with from law school who are just enormous pains in the ass about everything kansas and you know as bill self has said we got to get a couple real guys to the adidas bag droppers (laughs) right but but the whole rock chalk jayhawk you know, slow build in in the home of college basketball, in the home of basketball, for that matter, right? is, is pretty fantastic and, and very similar to Duke. It's just one of those, you can't pass that up if you get the opportunity.
1: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. one
0: of my choices. Like, yeah. Just,
1: and I've never liked Kansas, but that just seems right. like such a great, yeah. uh, college basketball is far from pure, particularly right. Self, as we're finding right. out. <laughs> but from a fan experience, that just seems like, pure passion and excitement and it does like a great place to yeah I'm not gonna choose Indiana so I'm gonna choose Kansas. There you go. And, and speaking of the Tennessee Yukon, have you seen that um the new basketball series on ESPN? Yeah it like?
0: I love yeah, For Love of Basketball For yeah. Love of
1: love, love whatever it is. Yeah. The one on Gino and Pat Summit mm-hmm. is fantastic.
0: Oh, it's intense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's up there with, like, the very good 30-for-30s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Really awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm actually going to go with the Palestra. Oh, great, it. great. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe I didn't make the trip when Jamie played up there. What was it, three years ago? Yeah. In that tournament. Um, the best. That's just something, you know, it's just, it's just so great. I'd love to go for a big five. I'd go for any game. It's the heart. Uh, and that
0: is the heart and soul of college basketball right there. Right? Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean it, for one thing, it's a great arena. Yeah, you're right there. Like it, it's well constructed. The seats are terrific. You're right there, but there's so much history there. Um, the Big Five is such a cool institution. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it can't be that. I was talking Sorry, Drexel,
0: that. not City Six. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: But then my other one would be. I would love to go see the Biggies tournament in the Garden.
0: Yeah, me too. I would too. I mean, it's it's just yeah. so much fun. It's it's the you know the one time of the year I think that college basketball takes over a major American city, and it's so old school. And for anybody who knows anything about the Big East, both the old school Big East and the new Big East, I mean, their entire alumni base is essentially in New York, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, either New York or Boston, basically. And it, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I, and I
1: Todd, I mean, you and I growing up in Northern Virginia in the 80s. Yeah, with Georgetown. With Georgetown, St. John's. Yeah, I mean, Nova, you know, the, yeah. Billy Donovan, Providence. <sighs> yeah, Nova, Seton Hall, PJ Carlissima. Yeah. I mean, that that was just unparalleled and the rivalries you know with the Carnasaka and
0: thompson and everybody. oh and pitt was, syracuse and pitt, yeah and Pearl then Utah washington came beat. along oh yeah, yeah it, you can't beat that or as my dad some...
1: will tell you the fact that holy cross was originally invited to the biggie so they said no <laughs> um, i love that just oh it's awful
0: that's your dad's alma
1: mater right he's yeah, the holy exactly. cross guy. yeah yeah
0: and he's like oh what are you gonna do yeah well that's fantastic um so hopefully that that made everybody laugh a little bit or enjoy you know get excited for college basketball we as always thanks to pale fire go by the tap room get your free pint glass um i'll be wearing my new awkward weird jmu gold janky ass Nats hat the rest of the season since i've tried everything else might as well I might dig
1: out. I've got a pair of brown Pumas that I wore to um,
0: <laughs> the '04
1: Delaware game for the punt return, yeah. and then I wore to the watch parties for every single playoff game in the championship. I, th- I think it's time. I yeah. might need to break them out.
0: Yep, I think so. it's time. So I, I don't have anything else this week, Rob. Do you? No, just hopefully
1: yep. I can um, get this posted now that I'm the one recording it yeah. um, for take two. So we shall see. But big game this weekend. The sky's not falling, but. We'll see where this goes. This is what we want, though. Good, good, fun football games that matter late in the season.
0: Yep. Big game. Rob, I will talk to you next week. Hopefully, the Dukes will be 7 and 3. Hopefully. Good Dukes.